Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning together Toldos Chamishi, the fifth Aliyah in Parsha's Toldos. The topic of our Aliyah is the voice and hands of deception. This is the largest Aliyah in the Parsha and clearly the main focus of the Parsha is in this week's, this the, this particular Aliyah. Our Aliyah is 33 Psukim running from Perak Chavov Pasuk Lamed to Perak Chav Zayin Pasuk Chav Zayin. Let's take a look at a basic summary of the Aliyah and then we're going to consider some of the points that we can in the short time that we have together. So first we hear the conclusion of the previous discussion where Yitzhak and Fichol come to an agreement and they set up a feast and they, they drink and, um, and, and they make this oath between them, the Fichol returning to Grar and, uh, and Yitzhak carrying on in Beersheba. His servants immediately tell him that they found water in this, uh, in this particular area and, uh, and they call this area Beersheba because of the Shavua, the oath that was made, similar to what happened by Avraham as well. We then hear that that Esav at the age of 40 gets married and he marries two ladies, Yehudis, the daughter of Be'eri, who was a Chittite, and Bosmas, the daughter of Elon, who was also a Chittite, and they were more asrach, they were negative, and brought negative spirits to Yitzhak and Rivka. Now the mainstay of our story is the following. Here's where, where, where the episode begins, the beginning of Perikov Zion. We hear that Yitzhak is getting old, his eyes are failing him, and he turns to Esav, his older son, and he says, He's, he calls him and he says, look, I, I'm getting old. I don't know when I'm going to be dying. Go get your, 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 all your implements. Go get your, your, uh, your bow, your, um, your arms, and go out into the field and hunt me something. Hunt me uh, um, a, 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 some sort of delicacy and make me uh, the, the, the type of dishes that I really like. Bring it to me and I'll, uh, and I'll eat and then I will bless you before I die. So Rivka hears this whole conversation and um, she goes out to to Yaakov as Esau heads to the field and she says, I'm going to command you to do something which is really important. This is what I heard your father saying to you, to your brother that he wants to bless him before he dies and now you're going to listen to me. What you're going to do is you go to the to, to the flocks, go and get two Gedea Izim, two goats, they're good ones, and I'm going to make them into the dishes that your father best likes. Then you're going to bring them in front of him as if you're Esav and being as your father cannot see so well, then you will um, you will be able to to get the brachas that he intended to get to, get, to give to Esav. Yaakov rejects this idea because he says, look, I'm an ish chalak, I'm a man who is of smooth skin, I do, I'm not very heavy, hairy like um, my brother Esav, and if my father will touch me, then I will be in his eyes as a fool and he, and this will be a very bad outcome. So she says that you don't worry, you will not be an imposter. On me is the curse. It, it won't happen to you as well. And so that's what that's what ends up happening. He goes and he takes the, the matamim, these de de delicacies and the bread, and he comes in front of um, his, his father. And his father says, who are you? He says, I am Esav, your, your firstborn. I did what you, you, you commanded. Please get up and eat from the, 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 the delicacies that I've hunted. Yitzhak says, why did you rush? How, how could you have got this all sorted out so fast? He responds, Hashem, he cry, Hashem, your God, allowed it to, to be just the right. He brought it about the right time. Yitzhak says, it says to him, Come a little closer. He's suspicious. Yaakov is talking in a way that seems like a Yaakov voice, not a Asa voice. He he touches his skin, and the skin is covered by these goat skins, which Yerufka has, has clothed Yaakov in. And he says this strange statement: "I call call Yaakov a yodaim Asa." The voice that of ja of Jacob and the hands that of Asa. So he feels like Asa. He talks like Yaakov. 
Um, but in the end of the day, he does not see through the deception, and he uh, um, and he he goes forth with the the the, the blessing. So it, it describes how he, as he comes closer, he kisses him and smells this the clothing of his son, and he gives him the blessing. It's the it's it's like the rare chasade. It's the smell of the field that Asav was so frequenting. So let's look at a few questions. This is obviously a very, very dense aliyah. There's so much to talk about here. But let's do a very a few basics. Number one is, why did Esav marry at the age of 40? Rashi tells us this was another feigned attempt of Esav to pretend he was something he was not. He wanted to get married at 40 to, to seem as if he's doing just like his father did in righteousness. His father got married at the age of 40, so he wanted to do the same thing. Rashi gives us the example based on the Midrash that he was compared to a, to a pig. It's a, the pig is the only animal which is not kosher because it has the external sign but not the internal sign, which means that it has the sign of the split hooves but it does not chew the cud. So it displays its hooves as if it is kosher, but it really is not a kosher animal. That's what Esau does in so many things. He would ask many questions of his father to make it seem like he's a righteous person, but really, in fact, he was not. Now, how are these these wives bad for Yitzhak and Rivka? Moras Ruach Rashi says that they were Ovdos Avodazara. They were serving Avodazara. These are not, not good people necessarily. And why did Yitzhak go blind at this point in time? Why was he... Why was he uh, um, his his eyes um, becoming deficient. So Rashi says because that was with the incense that these wives brought into the house weakened his eyes as well. Another possibility is is that um, is that um, at the time of the Akedah the angels literally were crying into the eyes of Yitzhak and therefore his eyes grew weak at a later age. And Rashi gives a third possibility that is Kadesh Yitol Yaakov as brachos in order to enable to facilitate this whole ruse that ya- Yaakov could possibly get the brachos from him. Clearly the third explanation of Rashi is the overarching rule. The two, the first two, are the perhaps the, the how it actually happened. In considering both of those ideas, whether it be the incense of Zorah or the tears of the angels, these are both things that Yisak has to go through. And in life, we can have many um, repercussions. There can be many collateral damages in our life, but we hope that they are from things that we are proud of, like the achievement of the Akeda, not from things that we are not proud of, like the daughters-in-law that Yisak um, had in his house. Now, um, Rivka, uh, oh, wh- wh- before we get to Rivka, why is Yitzhak concerned for the day of death? Why is suddenly now he's concerned? So Rashi quotes a Medrash in the name of Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha, who would say that if a person arrives around the five-year limit or the five-year um, bubble around the time of the, uh, the death of their parents, they should be concerned. And Yitzhak at this point in time was 123 years old. He was in the five-year bubble of 127, which was the death of his mother. He was very close to his mother. And that's why he was concerned for his own death when he went to sort out his affairs right now. Um, what, what does it mean when Rivka says, On me, you'll curse my son. It sounds like the most basic idea, actually, is that what she's saying is, is that if there were to be a curse, I will take responsibility of the curse if your father curses you. However, it's interesting that the Vilnagon says a very famous idea, a very powerful idea, that she's conveying to him a, a, a terrifying idea, which is the following. She says, the Vilna the, the says that the word Olai actually is an acronym. It represents three different names. Olai is Esav, Lavon, and Yosef. Why? Because these are going to be the costs that are going to be involved in your taking this course of action. By taking the brachas and deceiving your brother, you're going to have an Esav, you're going to have a brother who's going to want to kill you for the rest of your life. Because you're going to have to run away from your brother, you're going to have to stay in the house of your uncle, a very difficult character, Lavon. 
And because you're away from your father 22 years, you will have a son who's removed from you for 22 years as a repercussion from that. These are three direct repercussions that are going to be manifest because of the decision you're making. It's worthwhile noting that later on, when Yaakov is confronted by his sons, Reuven and Yehuda, and Yehuda is talking about why they need to go back to Mitzrayim, even though Shimon's been taken as a hostage and they need to take Binyamin with them, he's not willing to do that. And, he's, and, and he says, Olai hayu kulana, is the words he uses in Parashas Mikates. Why does he say, Olai hayu kulana? The suggestion of the Vilnagon is, is because what he had agreed to take into uh, take the, the collateral damage for this decision, this necessary decision, was Olai, Esav Lavan and Yosef, but not Binyamin. He says that's too much. It's worthwhile noting as well that if one, one thinks about this, essentially Rav Asher um, takes us one step further to say that these are three models of the thorns at our side throughout the course of Jewish history while carrying out our mission. The one is Esav. Esav is that force, the belligerent force of hatred on the outside that wants to wipe us out because of who we are and what we represent. That's, that there's, there's no negotiating. The Lavans in society are not trying to annihilate us, but they really want to absorb us. They want to assimilate us. Integration. Let's, let's be all one happy family over here. It's all very, it's all very fine. We're all really part of one, one, uh, one family. The Yosefs are not the fighting from the outside either to destroy us or to assimilate us. It's the fighting from within. It's one brother against another. And what's, what's worthwhile thinking about is that Yaakov is saying that in the course of my life and ultimately in the course of his children and nation's life, there will be these three types of costs necessary for carrying out the mission. The Asavs, the, the, the Lavans, and the Yosefs. And we have to bite that bullet because it's worth carrying that mission despite the cost as well. Now, two more questions over here. Why is it that Yitzhak wants to give the brachos to Esau in the first place? After all, doesn't he see that they moras rach? Does he not see that Esau's in the wrong path? Is Yitzhak that innocent that he can't recognize us? So the Orachim HaKadosh suggests that, uh, but perhaps, and this is the, the Sforna's idea as well, is that he sees that there are shortcomings in Esav, but he thinks that by giving him specifically this kind of bracha, this will ensure that Esav will have to channel his particular and unique koichos, his, his strengths, in this direction as well. So he's trying to find a way to channel them, which is what is the point of this bracha. However, what about Rivka? What was Rivka thinking? This whole story could have ended much more amicably if Rivka had just sat down with Yitzhak after hearing this whole business and taken him out for a cup of coffee, said, Yitzhak, I think you really are seeing this in the wrong way. Here, we need to give this to Yaakov. He's really going to be the leader of your legacy. Um, so what, what, what is going on over here? So Rav, Rav Hirsch points out a very important thing, and that is that when he says the words, behold, I'm old now, it, it, it indicates that this is a conversation which has been going on. It's almost like him saying, you know, I've, I've had this conversation so many times. The word na means please, meaning he's pleading. I've, I've had this conversation with your mother so many times, Esav, and I know she doesn't see it, and I know she says that it should be Yaakov who's getting it, but I have my way of seeing it. I don't want to do this. So this is after all the conversations. Rivka has tried and tried again to convince her husband that, in fact, the, the boy in front of her is not what he sees at all. But why is it? Why is it that she cannot convince her husband? So the answer is very simple. It's a very simple and sad answer. And that is the following. Is that Rivka comes from a very complex family background. She comes from, uh, from being in the same household as a brother, Lavon, who is a, the chief deceiver, a person who would even switch as we, and swindle his son-in-law into marrying the wrong, the wrong daughter, using everybody as a vehicle to his own ends. 
This is who she grew up with. She grew up in a house of Basuel. She grew up in the house of Lovin as a brother. She could see deception from its inception. So she was able to see the feigning attempts of Esav to act like this person that he really wasn't. But Yitzchak couldn't. Yitzchak never had an encounter with such a person. Yitzchak lived a very innocent and pure life. He was not able to see this. And after all these conversations that Rivka had had with, her, with him about the real nature of Esav, he still couldn't see Esav for who he really was. Therefore, says Rav Hirsch, there was only one alternative left to Rivka, and that is to show her husband that he was fallible to trickery. Because clearly he was not listening to the logic that she was trying to explain to him because he simply did not have the bandwidth to understand the depth of human deception. So she was able to create a situation where she could show him that he was fallible to deception. I mean, what did she think? Did she think that Yisak would not find out that he blessed the wrong child? Did she not think that Esau would come in two minutes later? But that's precisely the point, says Rav Hirsch. She's going to show, y show y Yisak, you know what? There's the child you think is child A, is really child B. Maybe everything I've been saying up till, up till now it has been true. Maybe the child you thought was child B is really child A. The moment that Esau would walk in would be the moment that Yitzhak would realize that he's been tricked. And if he's been tricked, then perhaps he saw things the wrong way. If he saw things the wrong way, then maybe Rivka is correct. And that's the only course of conversation left to her in this desperate plight, because regular conversation and logic has not helped up to now. This perhaps gives us a little bit of an inroad into understanding the complexity of this very difficult topic. With this, we conclude the fifth aliyah. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.